Let us pray. Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for <clears throat> the privilege we have tonight to study your word. We trust you that by your spirit you will speak to us and grant us understanding in these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are uh, studying the book of Ephesians. We were not here for the Bible studies last Thursday, but we are here now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we are concluding the teaching on the shield of faith. We took time because that's a very important topic. You know, the role that faith plays in our Christian life cannot be overemphasized. We are saved through faith. We stand by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your prayer is worthless without faith. Faith is just at the center of our relationship with God. And then the Bible said, above all, this is the one weapon that can quench every dart that the devil throws at you. This is one weapon that can do that. So we took time to define what faith is, and a lot of things we taught about faith, you know, growing spiritually so that you improve your ability to hear God, that, that if you're a baby Christian, like natural babies, you may not be able to hear God properly. Because, you know, every sheep of God hears God, but then the babies need help. They need help. So we're saying that it's important that we grow spiritually. And the fact remains that many Christians do not understand that the natural life is not the spirit life. It's not the spirit life. So they think that their natural goodness is the Christian life. No, it's not the Christian life. If that is the Christian life, Paul wouldn't have needed Jesus because concerning the law, he was perfect. And then the, the, the man that Jesus said, this is an Israelite in whom there's no guy, didn't need to be born again. But Jesus insisted that you, everybody needs to be born again. We need to get that spirit life, that life that comes from God through Christ in us. That's the eternal life. That life is the life of God. That is superior in all quality, in everything, to the natural ability of a human being. And so if we understand that, then we focus on developing that. And we gave how you developed your spirit life. We, we mentioned a couple of things that you need to do to develop spiritually. And if you develop spiritually, it is your great advantage. The devil will not take advantage of you. And then you can walk in, in glory of God. You, you, know, you know, adults know what is theirs. They know the boundaries. You don't need to tell adults, this is my father's house. You know his father's name. So you know your boundary. You know what is yours in Christ. And you Go take them, and you fight for them. So we went through all of that, but today we are looking at how does faith come? How does faith come? Well, the popular scripture that we read is Romans 10, 14. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. I want to emphasize this. Faith does not come by hearing and stop hearing. 
And he said, I've heard. That's why people miss it. Oh, they say, I've heard this thing before. No, 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 no. The word of God is seed. When you hear it, if you have never heard it before, the seed is sown. But if you've heard it before, then it's been watered. So faith comes by hearing and hearing. Not having heard. Because we have the, the potential to forget. Hearing, hearing, renewing your mind. It's, you have this, you renew it like you renew your driver's classes. It's, faith comes by hearing and hearing the truth about Christ Jesus. I want to emphasize this. About Christ Jesus. You cannot have faith by studying the laws. The Bible says by the, by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's all it teaches you. I do not see how you can develop faith by knowing sin. The grace and truth does not come to you through the knowledge of sin. It comes through the knowledge of Christ. All things that pertain to life and godliness come to us through the knowledge of Christ, not the knowledge of sin. Not the, I want to emphasize this again. It's not through the knowledge of the law and sin. That's not what gave us new life. That's not what saved us. Our strength doesn't come from there. Our ability to overcome doesn't come from sin and laws and all those kind of stuff. It comes only from Christ. So grace is multiplied in our lives only through the knowledge of Christ. Only through the knowledge of Jesus. Every Christian must know this or you put yourself in a great disadvantage. Because the point will remain that you'll be fearful, you'll be defeated. You can sweep it under the carpet but realize that you're not having any victory. And you're so confused, you don't even know what to do anymore. Because the route of victory, which is faith in Christ, you're not taking it. How can you have faith in ignorance of Christ? How can? You see, we do this as we do. We put ourselves in, in, in a serious disadvantage. Fearful of this, fearful of that. And all we see is evil, evil everywhere. Because we're not seeing the glory of God that fills the whole earth. Which is in Christ, though. So faith comes by hearing the truth about Jesus Christ. And let's read it from Scripture, Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him? You see, the subject of these verses is him, Christ. So how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? We're talking about Jesus. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Good news is the gospel. 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news, which is true even today. Even today. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who have believed our message? 17, the popular verse, you can see the background of that verse. You know that that verse is referring to believing the gospel, believing the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. Because what you're talking about is what Christ has done for you, which you believe in the Spirit. It's not about what you're doing, really, basically. It's about what Christ has done for you and what God Christ is doing through you and with you. Through you and with you. So it comes by hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Which means we can't have faith without an author. 
He's the author of it. You can't have a book that has no author. He's the author of our faith. He's the source. Our faith emanates from him, and he's the object of it. Because he's the light of the world that lightens every man that comes into this world. So he's the one that brings you enlightenment by his spirit that produces faith in you. So he's the author of it. And the finisher in the sense that in this, our life, our journey in this life is a journey of faith. Some people, the scripture said they wrecked their faith. They didn't let him finish it. They didn't follow him to the end. So he's the finisher of it. As long as we continue to trust him and follow him, then our, our faith will lead us to the end when we see him face to face. Either before he comes, we leave this earth or when he comes. But some people didn't get there. They, the Bible said they wrecked their faith. They ruined their faith. And so the scripture says in Hebrews 12, too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author and finisher of it. Jesus, Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. 1 Corinthians 3, 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ himself. You can't put your faith, you can't lay your faith on anything else except on Christ Jesus. Christ is all and all for us. Christ is God's plan for you and me. And the scripture teaches us only believe, only believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. Only believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you know, it's surprising that many Christians can't even mention the name of Jesus freely. They all talk about, I believe in God. Everybody believes in God. But that will give you salvation. There are people who can't mention Jesus. They find it difficult to mention that name, Jesus. But easily they talk about, oh, you come and believe in God. Come and believe in God won't give you salvation. People believe in God. What kind of God do they believe? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. You have to believe in Jesus, that he took your place, paid the price for your sin. The atonement for your sin, it was him that did it. His blood, he took your place, bore your sins, bore your sicknesses, bore your penalty of your sins. You have to believe that to be saved, not believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. That doesn't bring salvation. Pishakim. Not, again, surprisingly, believe in me, many Christians can't mention Jesus to anybody. They find it difficult. Colossians 2.2, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Why is Paul agonizing? I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand. Every Christian must understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself, the object of our faith. God has no other plan for you and me except what he consummated in Christ Jesus. That's why he's the object of our faith. Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that everything you need to know that will help you to believe in him is in him. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Not outside of him. 
It's not in Moses. It's not in Elijah. It's not anything else except in Christ. So faith comes by revelation of the gospel truth about Jesus, by the Holy Spirit to our spirit, not hidden knowledge, which gives you at the best mental assent, but you can't act on it. The reason people can't act on the lot of things they say is because they don't have revelation about it. And so the best they do is to give it mental access and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But when it comes the time to act on it, especially when challenges come, they, they throw down the floor. They can't act on it. Because they never really received revelation about it. Faith is not a struggle. It's not, look, I walked up here. It's not a struggle because this can carry me. Faith is not a struggle. It's a reality. It's not a gamble. It's a reality. When you know the truth, it's not a gamble. It's not a gamble. It's not let me see whether I will know. It's not not a gamble at all. So it comes when the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation of the gospel. Jesus said, he said, flesh and blood cannot reveal me to you. Only the Holy Spirit can. Only the Holy Spirit can. Let me say it again. Only the Holy Spirit can. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. By his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. The things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know. See, the Spirit we received teaches us that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Quit things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, I want to plead with us. We are reading the Bible. Make effort to believe it. Make every effort to even understand it. If you don't, you're putting yourself in a disadvantage. I'm telling you, you don't have any other truth that sets you free. You don't have any other truth you should know that keeps you free. It saves this truth. If you like, be doing rituals. If you like, be arguing with it. That's up to you. But if you don't know this truth, you're not going to walk through they're going to be confused all the time. Confused. So, because the, you, you need to, if you, if this is light. That's why I'm not confused. Yet. If you're not walking in the light that Jesus gives, you walk in something else. And that you'll be confused right there. You'll be very confused. You'll be very, very confused. Christians, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Ghost teach, teaches it. The Holy Ghost teaches it. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, not natural truths, not natural, not natural life. Friends, differentiate between the natural life, the natural realm, and the spiritual life of the kingdom of God. God is a spirit. God is not a man. His kingdom is not human kingdom. 
We are not of this world. You must understand this and be, it must be plain in your heart so that you can have a proper identity of who you are and focus on developing your real self. The day you leave this earth, it is that spirit that is living. The day you leave this earth, it is that spirit you neglect. That's that spirit that is. And that's the spirit that God gave you to be able to live above your flesh, above the world, because it has the nature of God in it. Ability of God in it, coupled with all the privileges that Christ died to give us as Christians. So we can stay where he is, live where he lives, live in glory. He said, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. We can receive it with carnal knowledge, carnal thinking, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Can't receive it. That's why if you don't develop your, yourself spiritually, you have difficulty in understanding the things of God. When you go through, you, get, you find it difficult. Because you want to approach it like Nicodemus. Do I have to enter my mother's womb again? Jesus said, no, I'm talking of spiritual things. I'm talking of natural things. If you have that kind of mindset, it will be tough. Very, very tough. That's why renewing the mind is critical and very important. So you flow with what God is saying and what God is doing. But the human, the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned. It is revealed to your spirit. It is by your spirit, this living, this new spirit, that you understand the things of God. So we say that faith comes by the revelation of the Holy Spirit to your spirit. Jesus said, he who has ear to hear, let him hear. Now he's not talking of the physical, you obvious now, he's not talking of a physical ear, he's talking of a spirit ear. He said they have ears they don't hear, they have eyes they don't see. So the, the, the Holy Spirit gives us the inward witness of the truth. Who is a witness? A witness, the police say we are looking for a witness. A witness is somebody who saw it act, happen. When they are looking for a witness, they are saying, oh, who was there? Who saw this thing happen? So the Holy Spirit was there. He, he carried it out. So he's, he gives us a witness of what he, his truth, which he saw, which he did. The writer of John says, the things which we saw, which we touched, we are witnesses of Christ. We talk with conviction of what we saw, what we touched. The Holy Spirit is the, is the number one witness of spiritual things in the kingdom of God. Because he, he is the CEO of it. So he witnesses to you what he sees, what is done, what knows is true. He bears witness with your spirit, remember, it is spiritually discerned. It's not bearing witness with your intellect because it won't make sense. It's not going to make sense. You're going to think, am I going to go into my mother's womb and be born again? Because it won't make sense. He's bearing witness with your spirit. Hey, this is true. This has happened. This took place. You are a new creature. You are a new creature. You are a new creature. You are born again. You have the life of God. You are, man, he begins to be a witness. 
What is that witness? The witness is what he has seen, what he did, what he knows is true. He's bearing witness to your spirit. Bearing witness. Who you are. The things that are not seen. He bears witness to your spirit. Not to your intellect. Not to your brain. No. To your spirit. Strictly to your spirit. So Romans 8, 16 says, The spirit is a bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He bears witness with your spirit that you are healed. I witness it. You have been healed. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. I saw it. I knew it. I was there. I executed it. This thing brought you healing. He said, but I didn't see. Nobody said, no, I want me witness. And the Bible says that once we believe, we have the same witness of the Holy Spirit in us. <laughs> once we believe his witness, that we're going to have the same witness, we're going to, it will become, so, the thing will become tangible enough for you to, to also say, I'm a witness, I can see it. I'm a witness. I'm a witness to Holy Spirit. I'm a witness. I've seen what you told me. I've seen what you say. You know, I want to be in a conversation with somebody. All of us, oh man, I just saw it. Ah, I saw it now. Well, you saw it, but well, not with physical eye. But you, you didn't see it before. But it's become reality to you. First John 5, 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is even greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. If you believe in the son of God, if you have faith in Jesus, you have the witness in yourself that that's a reality. This is a knowing that is not even carabolated by anything you see, anything you feel. It's not carabolated by that. You just know it. The Holy Spirit witnesses the reality to it. That's why faith is not a gamble. Faith is more, the, the, the spirit faith is more real than the natural thing. It is even more reliable. <laughs> you know, I was doing this exercise. The Lord said to me, he said, how does a human being dare doubt God? Does he have anything better to trust? How can anybody even begin to dare to doubt God? And he believes in God. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He witnesses spiritual realities that the scripture is showing you or, or the scripture has been manifested before your eyes. Faith comes from hearing God, from getting a witness of this hearing is not physical. It's not physical. Hearing with your spirit. Then he opens your eyes of understanding. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said that this is the thing that the Holy Spirit teaches, teaches, and they spiritually discern. So he opens the eyes of understanding. Luke chapter 24, 30, and it came to pass as he sat at meal with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. It's not physical eyes because they were seeing. They were the ones that, that persuaded him to call me, 
Because he was moving like a moving past them, the pastor said, No, come and hang out with us. Well, her physical eyes. So which eye was opened? He opened their eyes. Their eyes were opened and they knew him. This is how you, know, this is how you get your, your, your revelation. There's a, there's a work of the Holy Spirit that opens your eye to see spiritual truth. Not, not vision. No, I'm not talking of vision. I'm not talking of that. I'm not talking of dream. No, no. I'm talking of opening your eyes of understanding and something that you didn't see becomes real to you. That's why if you are teaching, you need to be patient because <laughs> you need to be very patient. Because when people don't get it, it's not because they don't want to, they're, they're struggling. It's because they haven't gotten the revelation yet. Then it calls on you to go on your knees and pray. Paul said, I will pray until Christ is formed in all of you. That's why pastoring and leading people is not a joking matter. It's not something you do and you're socializing all over the place. No, 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 no. You need to be in your closet and pray. <laughs> Somebody said something that impressed me. He said, Jesus didn't wait for his disciples to go and pray. He would leave them and go and pray. Because he was leading them. He wasn't waiting for them. He wasn't even calling them, come on, let's no, no. He would leave. That's what you do as a pastor, as a leader, a life center. I did it right from when I was a life center leader. I would pray to three him. Not for myself, but those people. Not for myself, not one thing for myself. Before those people. I remember the last time I prayed for myself. Not that I don't have needs, but somehow, somehow I don't even remember them. Maybe if I mentioned to God a couple of times, but I always believe the promises of God and thank God for them. Move my way. But I spend most of my time praying while the Spirit guides me to pray. And the Spirit will always make you pray for others. Give you names, give you this, give you that. That's what leadership means. It's not just being your friend. <laughs> your leader is not supposed to always be your friend. Sometimes they have to do things that are tough and you can't take it. You can't. But they have to stand on what is true. Because it's better that, it's better, it's better that later on they say, ah, that man told us the truth too. Than they, that they, they thought you told them the truth and later on discover you deceived them. You pray. Paul said, I travel until Christ is formed in you, until you know him, until your eyes is open. He didn't go fighting them, he didn't go quarreling with them. No, that's not the way it's done. I tell pastors, I say, preaching is a spiritual engagement. If you don't know it, know it now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a serious spiritual warfare. Because the devil doesn't want people to know, wants to blind them, wants to confuse them. But you have to pray and break through. The Lord told me something. He said, I prefer you pray more hours than you spend preparing. I said, yeah, that's true. So their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. What prayer was Paul praying for the church? That the eyes of the understanding be opened. That the eyes of the understanding be opened. Mark all his, prayer, all his prayers recorded in the Bible so that God will give you spiritual revelation, that God will give you spiritual this, that God will. He, that's what he focused on. 
Because he knows that if they know Christ, if they come to understand who he is, Luke 24, 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be mad when you are preaching, some are sleeping. Because you, you too used to be sleep. But God in his mercy began to give you revelation. I remember when I went to Lagos to preach and I preached to them about the grace of God. They came to me and said, Pastor, the only reason we sat down to listen to it is because it's you. Say, because we know you. We know you don't make, you can't meddle with anything if it's not true. So we were confused. We say, you got this American gospel here. <laughs> and a lot to me said they're all confused. The first person that got it is one man you never expect will get it. He was the first person that came to me and said, Pastor, I understand what they are preaching, and this is true. He said, But the reason you came here is that only you can lay the foundation for us. Because if it's another pastor, they, they will all work out. Them. And that's true. He said, Because you pastored us now. So we, this thing, if, if, if we say if that is in this thing, this thing must be true. Pastor Tunde was called, all of them. I called the, I called the pastors, I called them, I said, all of you are confused. They say, yeah. I said, you'll get it. Don't worry about it. A pastor came, Pastor Tunde flew up over here. He was so worried. He was so disturbed. He was really, very really worried. And we went for a conference. Sitting by me, the Lord said, pray for me to open his eyes. So he doesn't see what they're talking about. And I, I just, simple prayer while we're standing there. Two weeks after he left, he wrote me. He said, it's like something opened my eyes. And I went to the gospel I had when I got saved. He says, it's the same thing you are preaching. He said, something opened my eyes. And the Lord said to me, go and take the notes of the gospel you had when you got saved. He said, where did we miss this thing? That's the question I was asking me. How did we get off Mark? So the reason I'm telling this story is that we need to pray that God will open our eyes. Don't assume you know. Oh, no, I pray it all the time. You need to pray that God will open your eyes. God will give you revelation. God will give you understanding and the knowledge of the truth. You need to pray. You need to. Now, there are things we need to do if we want God to give us revelation. Number one is that we need to value revelation, like Lydia did. We need to value revelation. If you don't value it, God won't give it to you. If you think you know, you will leave you alone. If you think you know, God will leave you alone. Won't bother with you. But if you come with hungry heart, and humble yourself and Lord, I don't know anything. He will teach you. The Lord told me something. He said, one of the most powerful things a man can say is to come to me and say, I cannot. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's when I take over everything. He said, when you're weak, I'm strong. He said, a man comes to me and says, Lord, I can't. He said, that's when I take over. But if you can, I'll leave you alone. 
We come to God and say, Lord, except you teach me, I'm finished. He will teach you. But if you come like the Pharisees and think you know, he will teach in parables, you won't hear it. So we must have put value on revelation, like Lydia, Acts 16, 14. One of them was Lydia from Tatara, a merchant of expensive purple who worshiped God as she listened to us. Supposing she was on the, on the phone and doing this. Supposing she, supposing she had tuned off what Paul was saying. Supposing she was not interested. And people do that. Again, they do that to their own disadvantage. Because the very word you are, you are rejecting is the very word God is sending to straighten you out and put you in sync with him so you can see the wonders of God easily. Because it's by believing you see the glory of God. It's not by human effort. It's by believing. Your life becomes a wonder. Every day. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. See what God did? Because she was listening. It was she wanted to hear. She wanted to know. Paul had tremendous revelation because he wanted to know. Of all things, of all people, Paul, with all the revelation he had, was not satisfied. He was thirsting for it. He was praying for it. He, and God kept giving it to him. Is it not what you task you get? And he said, I had abundance of revelation. Still, he, was, he wasn't satisfied. We don't have anything yet. We know too much. Nobody can teach again. So we have much have value for that. Number two is I have to pray for God to open our eyes, like I said before. Even David knew this thing. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open down my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in thy law. Are you surprised that David had tremendous revelation about Jesus? Because he sought it. David loved God. Ah, the man wrote love letters to God. David loved God. Yesterday, I, I, I was sharing with my wife. I said, you know, I said, sometimes we love religion. We don't love God. We love prayer. We love being a pastor. We love, we love church. We love and we don't love God. It's difficult to believe, but it's true. You can, be, you can be zealous and you don't love God. Pharisees were very zealous. But Jesus said you don't love God. You can't be more zealous than them. One of them, his name was Zealous, Zealotus. But Jesus said you don't love God. The love of God is nothing. You don't love God. Friends, you can be fasting every day, but you don't love God. You can be motivated for, for, by what you are getting. You don't love God. David loved God. And it drove him to want to hear God's word, to want to hear what God has to say. And he wrote one time, he said, I did there panted for the waters. So my heart pants after you, God. When can I come and be seen before you? This man's heart was after God. And Jesus quoted David. David was the only one who was a prophet and a king. Open down my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. He prayed that. We must have love for the truth and love for the word of God, like I said. You know, people who don't love the word of God, they don't get anything. Second, Corinthians, Second Thessalonians 2.9. 
This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because, see why they be fooled? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. Eleven. So God will cause them now to be greatly deceived. <laughs> they will believe all these lies. So we must develop love for the word of God. I, I don't know any, if you love somebody, you want to hear the person. You know, if you're married now, you know when you were writing letters, if you're still writing letters, when your wife will write you and you, you, you read it, put it under your pillow. First you get up in the morning, instead of reading your Bible, you read your wife's letter. You want to hear her. Lovers want to hear each other. That's why if they get on the phone, they don't know when it's two hours. But if somebody you don't love, it irritates you. No matter what they say, now, we don't want to hear. You, you cut it off. You find, you find something I do. You give excuses. Lovers like to hear each other's voice. If you love God, you want to hear his voice. You want to hear what the Father has to say. You want to have revelation about him. You love his word. You fall in. You are not in Bible study because it's a program. You don't read the Bible because you have to. You read it because you want to. You want to. Wigglesworth said, he said, I don't pass 30 minutes without reading the Bible. He said, I don't pray long. But when I, I say I pray more than, not more than 30 minutes, but it doesn't go 30 minutes, I want to hear the Father. I open my scripture. I want to read it. And God used that man to raise over 15 people from the dead. His faith was sky high. Over 15 people from the dead, including the wife that died. He raised woman up, spoke with her. And the woman said, Smith, my time is up. Why, why bother me bringing me back here? And the Lord said, yeah, her time is up. And then the woman laid back and died. Real story. That faith came from his, his, his love for the word of God, and God was giving him revelation. Now, let's have an important reminder as we progress for emphasis, because this will come up as we discuss about faith again. Faith has works as a proof. If you don't have works, you don't have faith. Faith has corresponding action. Let me say it again. Faith is action. Faith is action. If you don't have action, you don't have evidence that you believe it. Action speaks louder than words. Love is action too. If you don't have action, that love is fake. Faith is action. I can't say it enough. Faith is corresponding action. So look at how we, let's remind ourselves what Jesus said in Luke chapter eleven twenty seven, And as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called her, God bless your mother, the womb which, from which you came, and the breast that you, that must you. Jesus replied, but even more blessed now are all who hear the word of God and put it to practice. Those who believe it and act, they are more blessed. 
those who hear it, first you have to hear. Faith comes by hearing. And then act as a proof that they believe this thing. James 2.20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Verse 25. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them another way? 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It doesn't exist. People say, oh, Pastor, I have faith. I'm watching. I don't see any works. I don't see any corresponding action. That's it. This, this man has faith. It's not there. I hear they have faith. And they, sometimes it's difficult because you don't, you don't, where they are and what you want to explain, it's, it's a distance. I was explaining something to somebody recently. I realized that this person is far. I didn't know how to bring this person. It, it was uh, her. Far. It's like, it's, like, it's like discussing news with my wife. My wife will say, what is that news? I say, where do I start? <laughs> what, will I, what will I start to tell you what is going on? I say, if I, it takes four, four hours to explain to you this news you want me to give you, where I started, what has been happening. Tell you the best thing, let me go, go and cook your soup. Leave the news alone. Because what will I start to explain to you what has been happening for six months? You have no idea, you have no foundation, nothing. But they say, honey, what is that? So when this news uh, you, know, you can't get it. Just go. I will tell you summary later. It's just, I hope my wife is not here. But <laughs> it's just like that. So it's exactly like that. Faith without works is dead. Grasp it. Get it. Understand it. Practice it. Ask yourself, what is the evidence I have faith? What is the evidence that I believe God? What's the evidence that I believe you? What's the evidence I love God? What's the evidence? Ugo Chuku was the one that told her, he said, did God even witness to you that you love him? He said, all this thing with dance, I love God. Said, did God witness to you? Do you have any word witnessing that it is true? That boy asked that question. I asked too. I said, wow. He said, did God witness to you? Are you just, are you just saying it for saying sake? It has to be a witness of the Holy Spirit that says, yeah, that's true. So having said that, now let's go and talk about how to release our faith because that will help us understand the place of action in releasing our faith. How to release your faith to work for you. How to put your faith to work. Number one is by acting out your faith. Remember we said that faith must have evidence. Evidence of things not seen. It's your action. When Jesus saw their faith, it can be seen. It can be seen. And God wants to see it. It can be seen. When Jesus saw their faith, he began to act. So we say that faith must have evidence. God wants to see that evidence. If we say we love God, God wants the evidence. If we say we believe in God, in the Lord Jesus, Jesus wants the evidence too. So how to resist our faith is 
we have to produce the evidence of action. Have to produce the evidence of action. Now let's start our discussion. And then number two is that we have to release our faith by what we say. We're going to discuss them in a little bit details. Now let's start by discussing how to release your faith for daily living, living the Christian life, for daily acting on the truth we know. It's only by faith we live the Christian life. Everybody should know that. There is no other way to live the Christian life. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's not by Gigi. It's just by faith. It's simply by faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in all the gospel truth so that they are manifesting your life. So now let's see how Paul lived his life daily. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. He believed that. Rome, the book of Romans said, we die with him, we rose in newness of life. You cannot neglect that fact. That's a solid truth. We die with Jesus, we rose with him in newness of life. That's how sin was destroyed in our life. That's how God took care of sin. That's how he destroyed the power of sin. When we die with Christ and rose with the newness of life that has the nature of God, the Bible said he destroyed the power of sin that way that he freed us from sin. He gave us a new nature that is righteous, a new nature created to be like God, a new nature that is his nature. He he freed us from the control of sin that way. The Christian must believe the gospel. You must believe it. You can't neglect what Jesus has done. You have to believe it. So I'm crucified with Jesus. Believe it. Confess it. Thank God for it. Nevertheless, I live yet not I because I'm crucified. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. You acknowledge that Christ lives in you. The Bible says Christ should dwell in your heart by faith. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I thought on this. The faith we live by is the faith that God exercises. Is the faith that Jesus exercises. It's not the natural faith that natural people exercise. Because those, that faith in natural people, the Bible said they put their faith in chariots and horses. But we have put our faith in the Lord our God. It's not the same. Friends, it's not the same. The natural life is not the spirit life. It's not the same. The faith of the natural depends on the eye and feeling and things. The faith of the spirit depends on the revelation that God gives you, regardless of how you feel. And you train yourself in this things because when the devil charges you up with attacks and things, if you are not rooted in this truth, you, you flop. I live, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. He loved me and died for me and gave me this privilege. So we must understand how to live the new life, the spirit life, not the natural goodness. We can only live this new life by the same faith that Jesus used to live his life. The same faith, the same faith, the same faith. How he exercised his faith in the Father. The same way we exercise our faith in the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, 4 told us this. When Christ, who is our life, 
So Christ is my life. Christ is your life. Christ is your life. Paul said, it's Christ that lives in me. He's the one I walk in me to will and to do his good pleasure. Let Christ dwell in your heart by faith. Don't neglect his presence. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the spirit, then let's walk in the spirit now. Walk in the spirit, walk by faith. If you, if you are born again, you have a new spirit, born again spirit, say live by faith, live by the spirit. Not by natural means. No. No. You know, my mommy, she put it awesome yesterday. He said, when you give people laws, it's like plucking leaves. But what God did in Christ is that he came and uprooted the root from the root and took it away. I said, that's true. He uprooted the root. He, he uprooted the root of our issues. Took it away, the old nature, and gave us a new life. If we live by the Spirit, my friends, let us walk in the Spirit. We can't live by the carnal nature. We, it's not extension of your natural goodness. It's a brand new life called spirit life, the spirit, the life of Jesus. Uh, let me tell us something. You know, no matter how good we are, you can simply know that the natural life has limitation. It's, it's, it's very selfish, extremely selfish. I was telling Dr. Mubo, I said, you know, all this, our goodness and things we think is the life of Christ because we don't understand. You see, they're so good until... Until somebody does not do what you want. I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong, go, except they want him to do this. He's not doing it. Believe, naturally, we move them in our mind from the favorite column to another column because he didn't do what you want. That's the natural reaction. In our mind, we are friends, oh, because they're doing what I like. The day they don't do the one you, you like, that's a shift. He hasn't done you wrong, except I can't do this for you. Let's be sincere. In your heart, there's a shift. But if you say, I will do it for you, oh, you say, bro, 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 you greet him. Jesus said, the heathens do that. They love their friends. <laughs> but when it comes to loving your enemy, all our goodness comes to a screeching heart. Pam, you can't go beyond that. That love turns to hatred. Only the love of God can be selfless and love an enemy to the extent to pay price for him or her without grudge and offer genuine forgiveness with humility. Only the Spirit of God can do that. That's just an illustration. Only the life, only Christ, only the Spirit of God can love with selflessness. Selflessness. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man should die for his friends. But even for their enemies, it's difficult. <laughs> So all that goodness we are having and smiling and laughing is because somebody hasn't said, even to come and correct you and say, this thing you are doing it wrong, sometimes we move them immediately 
from the favor column to second because of what he told me. You may be laughing, but inside of mind, water has gone wrong. Let's be sincere. Water has, something has gone wrong immediately. The natural life is filthy rag. Don't bring it to God. The motive is selfishness. We must live the new life, the sweet life, the life of Christ, superior, better, love, the love of God, the love of God. So how, this is how Jesus is a size fit for daily living. Look at how he lived. John 5, 30. I am able to do nothing from myself. Friends, that's the starting point. To say, I'm dead. Christ lives. I can't do anything. The dead man can't do anything. I'm able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God, as I get his orders, even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I'm bidding to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is not right. The judgment is right, just and righteous, because I do not seek my own counsel or my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. My own aim, my own purpose, I don't have desire for that. But only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Now, if, if this is his life and the father decides what he says, the father decides what he does, who is, who is doing that? It's not the father. The father decides what he says. The father decides what he talks. The father decides what he thinks. The father decides everything. Is it not the father living? Is it not the father living? That's how Christ lives through us. If Christ decides what I say, decides what I do, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Decides all this. Is it not Christ now living through me? It's not Christ that if, 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 I, if, I, if I'm going here, Christ is good there. Is it not him? If I, if, I, if I say something, say no. It gives me the word to say. If I'm speaking it and he's his word, is it not Christ? If I'm treating this person, if I want to treat this person and he gives me the, the, the love and the way to treat this person, is it not Christ? So that's the same way we let Christ live through us. Exactly what Paul was saying. It's no longer I that decides what I say. It's not no longer I. It's no longer I, but Christ. Even though I live, it is Christ now. The same way he depended on the Father is the same way I depend on him. I follow his footsteps. That's how you grow spiritually, really. Don't consult your own will, your own emotion. Your emotion will want to do anything, but no. And if we do not let him control, like Paul said, the love of God controls me now. He said he controls everything. That's how to live by faith in Christ. It's to give your life to him. We tell people, give your life to Jesus. That's exactly what it means. Surrender your life to him. That's what it means. So he gives you the word, gives you what to do, gives you this, gives you that. 
the more he controls it by those ways, the more your spirit is having dominance over your flesh. Because your flesh doesn't have a say anymore in what you say and how you react to people, what you do. You don't, their flesh has no say. So your flesh is, is gone. So your spirit is going in ascendancy. And then in the place where you used to be angry before, you used to be mad, you find yourself, instead of being mad, you want to embrace them. It's strange, it happened to me. <laughs> you want to hug them. I'm like, what? <laughs> Am I doing this? It's not me. You want to hug. I say before, I used to argue and argue, it's gone. I don't even want to argue. I just want you to say whatever and go my way. <laughs> that appetite to argue died. Just died. And I learned to respect people. I learned when they say I respect it. I found their joy in respecting people. With, you know, just honor what they're saying. Go away. Are you the Holy Spirit? Are you God? Go away now. If God wants to correct it, he can. He will. He has the ability to. You find your desires being changed. Before, this kind of thing will make you mad. But instead of being mad now, the power of the Spirit is killing that thing, replacing it with a new desire that comes from the Spirit of God. It's not, you're not doing it because the law says. No, you're doing it because you have this nature that does it. It's not because they lost it. Law or no law, you live by that. Whether that's law or not, you don't know. But that desire, that nature takes over. It, and you are genuine in your heart. The action is not to cover something, like covering just, just, just because you are important. No, no, no. It's genuine. It's real. That's why it's superior to the natural one. Because the natural one can cover and pretend. This one, there's no pretend. It's genuine. It's real. Whether in public or in your house, you don't think anything. Exactly what the spirit does. Pure heart. Pure heart. Comes by faith. If you are smiling, you are smiling. If you are not smiling, you are not smiling. There's no hypocrisy there. So Jesus said, if we don't act on his word, it means we don't believe it. But that's why we're not acting on it. We don't produce evidence. John 5, 38. And you have... Not his word, his thought living in you, your heart. Because you do not believe and are there to and trust in and rely on him whom he has sent. You don't trust in him, so you don't have his word in you. You don't believe his word. That is why you do not keep his message living in you. Because you do not believe in the messenger who he has sent. He said, if you believe in me, you do what I said. But if you are not doing it, if you are not acting on it, it's because you don't believe in me. And he put it another way. He said, call me Lord, Lord. Now, you won't do what I said. You believe I'm Lord, but you're not doing what I said. So the scripture talks about casting his word behind us. Psalm 50, 16. But unto the wicked, God said, what has thou to do to declare my status? Or that thou shouldest Take my covenant in thy mouth. Seeing thou hatest instruction and casted my words behind you. You treat my word with disdain. My words come to you, treat it with disdain. You cast it behind you. You say, why are you taking my covenant? Because the same my word is revealing my covenant to you. Galatians 2.21. Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. 
which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who had him. How do we neglect if we, how do we escape if we neglect the works of grace that God gave us, the freedom that Jesus gave us? Do we have any other freedom? Galatians 2 I do not set aside the grace of God. Don't set aside his work, his works of grace. Don't put it behind you. There was a covenant. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes from the law, then Christ died in vain. So this is how Paul believed again. Again, faith for daily living. We let Christ live through us, like Jesus did. Now, this is how Paul also, this is what he believed. Second Corinthians 4, 14 to 17. Either way, Christ's love controls us. See now, see where Paul is. Controlled by the love of God. Since we believe, he said, he controls us. This is why. This is why. Since, since, this is why. Since we believe that Christ died for all. See, it goes back to the word of God. God said, you cast my word behind you. You cast it behind you. You neglect the grace that brought you salvation. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. You see where it goes? Faith for daily living. Faith for daily living. Believing the gospel. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in what he did. Don't give you lip service in church. And then you go home and be doing whatever you like. You know, Onyeka told us something. He said, the Lord told him that. The sons of the kingdom are those who did the will of God. You know, it's in the Bible. You know who said that? It wasn't just that God told Onyeka. Jesus said it exactly like that. It's in your Bible. Because I went to him and read it. And my aunt said, whoa, this is it. Jesus said it exactly what he told about. It's in your Bible. Right there. Because if you believe, <laughs> it will show your action. You have respect for him. You have honor for him. If the Lord, you have respect for him. So Paul says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. These are the born-again Christians. They don't live for themselves. Like I told you, the natural man lives for himself. No longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ now. It's the natural disposition. Comes by believing this, believing this, and the love of God begins to control your life. The love that is selfless takes over your heart, changes your desire. All that pride and things just may not be overnight, but you find you are making progress. Find you are making progress. So we have stopped evaluating. No, no, no. I missed it. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life. Acknowledge this. You have the new life now. Paul said we receive his new life. This new life is not an idea. It's a reality. It's a Bible truth. It's the gospel. It's the truth. 
It's not about laws and doing the, no, 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 it's the new life that changes everything. The whole equation is changed by the new life, the presence of Christ. Takes the love, the love of, and the Bible says if you love, you fulfill the law. The love of God takes over your life. What law are we talking about? You say you stop living selfish life of the natural. You switch over to the selfless love, selfless life of Christ. Just by believing. Daily life by believing. We live by faith. It's not a jargon. It's a reality. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. That's what I should believe. That's what you should believe. You are not the same person. You're born again. You're a spirit being. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view now. We're not taking natural point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. He's a spirit being. If you are, if you are a spirit being, then live that spirit life. Walk in that spirit nature. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Did you see it? Can't see it. It's a spirit being. It's a spirit reality. But believe so. 1 John 2 says, He that said he abided in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We saw how he walked. <laughs> if we believe in him, then that his walk will begin to appear. It will appear because he's the one walking. We've died. We receive his life. He's the one walking. So why shouldn't you be the same Christ? Walk is a different Christ. But we grow as we understand these things. We grow in faith, grow in faith, we grow in faith. Until people will come and say, man, <laughs> something is happening in your life. Now let's talk about how to re release your faith for healing. For instance, to act on the word of God that he spoke to you, the rhema he sent to heal you. You need to act on it. Matthew 12, 11. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. 13. See how God, Jesus, instructed him to act his faith out. Then said it to the man straight forth. This man, this man is withered. But for, for, for that faith to be released, he needed to act like it's real. And Jesus said, stretch it out. Stretch forth the hand. And he stretched it forth. And it was restored. It wasn't restored before he stretched it forth. It was when he moved it up, that was restored. Jesus said, act your faith. Trace it out. If that man's faith healed him, your faith will heal you anytime too. Now here's another example, Matthew 9, 4. Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? 
Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your bed, and go home. Get up, act your faith. Pick up your bed, stand up. And the man stood up and the man jumped up. You have to, faith is action. If you believe you act it, if you can't act it, go back to God. I'm not sure we'll get to how to fight the fight of it, because that's why we got to find that we need wisdom. We need wisdom. But if we don't get there, we'll get there next time. Acts 14, 9. The same heart Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright, act it. Stand upright on thy feet. Did you hear Paul pray? Didn't pray. Did you hear Jesus pray? No. Say, act your faith. I've said it here. Anywhere faith has power of God is released. It activates God's power. Anywhere faith is acted on, it activates power. Check the whole Bible. The woman with the issue of blood prayed nothing. It acted on her faith. Power went out. These people act, power goes out, heals them. And Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on their feet, and he leaped and walked. Let's hear from this woman that heard about Jesus. I have one more minute. Mark 5.25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years has suffered many things of many physicians. And he has spent all that she had. I was nothing better, but rather grew what she had about Jesus. Now listen, in all these other things, examples we gave, they had. Let me go back. Ask for them. The same had Paul speak. What was Paul speaking? The verse before said Paul was preaching the gospel. So he had the gospel. And Paul looked at him and said, this man believes what I'm saying. And Paul said, you can act on it now. You, don't act, you can't act without, without revelation. You will not be able. You have to have the Spirit of God reveal this truth to you. And God will, God will bring you the same instruction. Will give you the same instruction. Either through somebody or directly. You have to follow the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You can't act on this because somebody did, they did it like You go and do you fall. It won't work. It's not going to work. And you won't do it because somebody did it. No, you do it because God, you had, you must hear. H-E-A-R, you must hear. You got to hear. Okay, my time is up, so I will stop here. I want to announce before I stop that going forward, every Thursday, after we finish teaching the Bible, apart from this Thursday we are praying, I will spend, because Bible studies is supposed to run from 7.30 to 9, because we don't do praise worship anymore. So once stop at 8.30, I will spend the last 30 minutes teaching on healing. Just healing. Nothing but healing. And I will not pray for you until I've taught this for about four times, so that your faith can sufficiently come up, and you can receive your healing while this word is coming. Up. Every Thursday we teach Bible studies, we end like this, I start teaching on healing. Focused on healing, just healing. Every Thursday, 
we will preach the word on healing. We want attack sickness, left, right, and center. So we preach the word on healing every Thursday. I didn't say, come, let me pray for you. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to do what I've instructed to do. I'm going to teach on healing because you can receive it on your own. So I'm going to teach on healing at least until, until I have that witness that, okay, you can pray now. So we're going to do that by the grace of God. So we're going to be praying together for that. God will help us to get it done. Let us pray. Our Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise and glory for teaching us how to walk daily by faith, to live our Christian life daily by faith, so that the natural cannot overcome us, so that the love of Christ, the spirit man, can be dominant in our life, so that our life becomes genuine. It's not acted. It's not pretended. Because you see, the heart of man is real. For the spirit produces that which is pure. That's why self-righteousness is fitting rag before you. The motive is usually selfish. So we can start living for Christ, for real, from the heart, with love for him and love for man. So that we can experience the reality of Jesus. He becomes so real as we see him living to us. Manifesting a life we know we couldn't do on our own. So daily we see Christ at work. Daily. 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 Lord, help us to understand this truth. That your name be glorified in our lives and our joy will be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.